Ladies and gentlemen, the commercials. And now a reading from the personal library of Jarvi Dasiano, read by Drasi Yamil himself. You are listening to French Public Radio, WZAZAZA. The Toaster The Toaster thinks it is good. The Toaster thinks it can cook my bread to the weight which I want it. It's a really, really bad toaster. It is probably American toaster. Yes, I can see on the side. It says General Electric. The Americans. The filthy Americans. A toaster from an American is like a Christmas bonus from a Jew. Like a hamburger from a Muslim. Wait, I'm mixing up what kind of Middle Eastern person doesn't eat meat, thus compromising my metaphor. But I don't care. They can all go to hell. But this toaster, that is the thing that must really go to hell. American toaster. You call yourself a toaster when you do nothing. 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 American toaster. Nothing. From Studio 6C in the mean streets of Brooklyn, New York, this is the Commercials Freight Podcast on the Commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. My name is Dave T. Koenig. And I'm Ken T. Pond. And we are prepared for a fantastic edition of our little podcast. Ken, how are you doing? Good. By the way, my middle initial isn't T. Yeah. I just wanted to be like you for a little bit. And I only just ever wanted to be like Craig T. Nelson, so that's only fair. We have... I can see why you admire him. Yeah, continue, please, please. Go ahead. No, no, set up your professional stuff. Go we ahead. have... Would you stop it with the professional stuff? We have a great guest, uh, John DiCepolo, sports anchor extraordinaire, who uh, is uh, somebody you may have seen if you are a news watcher here in the New York market, but uh, we'll hear all about the ins and outs of the industry as John has seen it and uh, what it's like to be paid to do nothing. And not only that, how to like spend a year side by side side with the Dallas Cowboys. That's a very, very, very exciting story. I'm looking forward to hearing the details on. If you're a sports fan, number one, which I'm not, and if you're a Cowboys fan, which I don't even know what sport that is, yeah, you're gonna love this. No, but you, but but I think I think having heard the basics of the story, I mean, John has uh, plenty of details that he's going to be bringing to the table. But just the That's basic true. gist of it, just it's almost like it sounded to me almost like, and I could be wrong. We're going to find out, but it was almost like somebody relaying a story of being on the road with like uh, Aerosmith or or uh, ACDC or or uh, 
uh, yeah, Metallica yeah. or something like that. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you're a fan of Excess, this may be a story for you. So, By John, the way, did I ever tell you that I technically can say I went on the road with Chumbawamba? No, but you're going to have to tell us now. Are you familiar with their stupid work? I, I Well, see, I, I know a little bit more about their work than just the one song that was very popular that, it, that the, uh, the popular tub song thumping. by the way we're making reference to it was called tub thumpers Cur- and a tub it, thumping tub thumping i'm yes. sorry and uh because it was such a fucking great song you know it's timeless we really should give it its proper toastations <laughs> you know they you know just to say what the song is it's that you know i get knocked out i get knocked down again you're never gonna knock me down i get knocked down everybody knows that song it's in a million stupid movie trailers mm-hmm. but um yeah in 1998 i was signed to a record label and i was on a tour with and not this they were a different record company but it was basically a quote-unquote tour which meant driving in a disgusting van mm-hmm. with like 10 guys and you could smell the exhaust and you had to sleep on uh, like a bunch of pillows going from chicago down to Kansas City. Nice. You know, up through Missouri. So that was the quote-unquote tour. And let me just tell you one of the things that turned me off from the music industry is going up, opening for Chumbawamba. <laughs> okay? Which, by the way, these guys are fucking pricks. Really? They, okay. call, they, they call themselves anarchists, so they're all that, like, angry Irish prickish assholes. Nice. And I remember one conversation we're having in... in um, uh, they, some of them, one of them said to me, and I was half awake. Or like, have you listened to this whole CD? I'm like, which whole CD? And they're like, you fucking prick. What fucking CD do you think we mean? I'm like, yours? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> I'm like, they're like, ah, fuck. And I'm like, have you listened to my CD? They're like, yeah, actually, we have. It's fucking pop crap. Wow. And I was like, hey, toilet boy, <laughs> look who's fucking talking. <laughs> Look who is fucking talking. And so we got into so many arguments and they were such just pricks. You know, it's like they were anarchists in the sense that, you know, just fuck with some, just be mean to someone for no good reason. Just random acts of, of unkindness. I to never me. knew any All of this stuff and it's awesome. So wait, oh, can dude. we can we do a little like, let's pretend that I'm going on tour with Chubbawamba and it's my first day getting on the tour bus. Yeah. And I'm trying my hardest to be nice. You be Chubbawamba, <laughs> the collective unit that is Chubbawamba. Okay, all right. Well, let me let me set the stage. Yes. You know, I was 20 years old when I was signed, and my I was green. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be just like famous. I'm gonna be the next Billy Joel. I was so green, and that I had no fucking clue mm-hmm. that I was just a fly on the wall of someone's shower curtain in New Jersey as far as fame goes. That you was know, you? Anyway. That was you. Um, very very Jewish of you. Yes. That joke. Um, but, you know, I used to be very clean shaven, clean dressed, wore cute little man-tailored white, <laughs> you know, collared uh, uh, shirts under a brown sweater. So I had a cute little thing going on and cute little khakis. <laughs> All right, that was me, Dave. That was me thinking that the world is like this. And that since they're signed and they've been on the radio locally and nationally at that point, mm-hmm. that they're going to be well-rounded 
excited, interesting, talkative, intellectual, discussion-y people just like me. Oh, boy. Because I wrote pop music, so it's just like me. So th- that's the stage. Go ahead. You're stepping on. By the way, this wasn't a tour bus. It was a tour stink hole. It was a small, beat-up blue van. Well, as far as I know, the the 20-year-old Dave Koenig, I'm going to be getting on a tour bus, much like the one that, uh, oh, let's say Bon Jovi goes around on. So I'm excited. So, okay. All right. Let's, okay. let's, 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 ready? Right. Scene. Yeah. <clears throat> Scene. Hey, Chebowamba. Wow. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, my name is Dave. Uh, I'm going on tour with you guys, and I'm so excited to be here. I just wanted to introduce myself. Okay, 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 kid. First of all, number one, don't ever fucking collectively call us Chumbawamba again. I'm it's sorry. Just fucking retarded. I'm sorry. I thought that was your name. I, 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 I... And number two, I don't give a shit how you feel about being on this bus. As far as I'm concerned, you're a nobody. So sit down, keep your shit out of our shit, and sit down. Okay. All right. Yes, that was it, Dave. There you that go. That was nice. I, uh, now, I wasn't as dorky as you just portrayed yourself at 20, um, so I kept it cool. Because you learn how to keep it cool. You just do the <laughs> nod thing, like, hey, you know? And they didn't even know who I was. It wasn't even explained. They were kind of like, who, who the fuck are you? Why are you getting on the van? Why are you getting in the van? I'm like, well, because the, the talent guy told me that, that I'd be taking this with you. They're like, oh, fuck your opening act, aren't you? And they kind of looked me up and down and were like, oh, Jesus Christ, you look like a fucking altar boy. Wow. We're fucking suing with an altar boy. And really, I did kind of, to their credit... From their point of view, I probably look to them like an altar boy. So Chebowamba had a point, at least. Yes, yeah. So, you know, we do a show in Illinois. Literally, there are three people there. Okay? Three people. (laughs) And that was exciting because, wow, I was expecting crowds of maybe three to 400 screaming teenagers. Right, right. No. And, you know, it was also a restaurant. So that's (sighs) not really a show. That's like... I don't know what that is. That's that's, that's a, like that's open a, mic. accompaniment to your yeah. meal. So as we got closer and closer to Missouri, that's when things started to get more club rock like. And let me just say, Dave, I miscalculated the wussy nature of my music <laughs> in in juxtaposition to the kind of fans that would go to see a Chumbawamba show. Um, I can only imagine that there may have okay. been a little bit of uh, yeah. discord there. There's a show in Missouri, which is the kind of peak of their where they're popular and where they're just sold out. It's in an actual venue. Mm-hmm. And I get up there, and it's just me and a digital piano and a bass guy. And that was the deal for me. It was just simplified versions of it. And I swear, I play start to play like a slow song like bring 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 like you know and I'm about to be like oh my soul is and like I didn't even get that far and a fucking beer bottle goes up and hits against the piano casing nice and I hear you suck we want chumbawamba (laughs) chumbawamba chumbawamba at this point I thought ooh wouldn't it be great to be clever and so I start Pounding out in a slow version, Tub Thumper. No, God. 
Impress. I get knocked down and I get up again and they all kind of paused. Oh boy. And like didn't know what to think. And after that pause became almost like a an onslaught of complete rage from the crowd like hysteria. That's awesome. Like get the fuck off the, you know, they're not they're not, of course not Irish. No, like but they probably were pretending they were cuz at the time they, they were liked it. You know, thanks, thanks. Thanks for that safe. Yeah. Well, anyway, dude, it was dangerous. Beer bottles coming at me a lot. And the bassist, I'd look and he's already gone. He was like, <laughs> "Fuck this." After the first beer bottle, I didn't even notice, but he was gone and I left. And I'll be honest with you. I cried like a baby. <laughs> For two hours straight. Now I remember I'm sitting and I'm drinking a beer in like the alley of this place, and the bassist is consoling me. He's like, "Look, man, this is just this is just not the right place for your thing. Like, it's not that your stuff is bad. It's just those people are assholes. Like, right, fuck right. them, fuck them. You know." And really, kind of bought me was like, "Okay." Uh, and you know, I shoved it into my subconscious for so long because it was such a hurtling experience that, uh, whoa, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was the point at which I said, you know, music industry, thank you for the experience that I had, but please fuck yourself. And I'd rather you all die, really. It gave such hatred. So that's when I started producing music. Not that anybody listens to it, but just for fun, you know, mm-hmm. in my home. Ignore the uh, stuff behind us, by the way. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, doing a little yeah. renovation in the studio. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they they uh, were putting up some uh, sheetrock. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, that's what started me just, hey, making CDs at home for fun and being like, fuck this. Wow. That is a good warning for anyone who wants to get into the music industry. Be prepared for disgustingness and jerk offs and. AKA Chubbawamba. You know, actually, it's pronounced Chumbawamba. You know what? At this point, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I don't hear their podcast. This is the commercials free podcast podcast. here. (laughs) Oh, my my segues. Oh, this is the commercials free podcast here on the commercials.tv. Oh, boy, Ken, you really got a. I will sick Chubba on you. I will let you do your professional thing. This is the commercials free podcast here on the commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. And we're also on replay, which was kind of cool to find out. Um, Ken, I got that little tickle in the back of my throat. Cheer. I wonder what the fuck you could be referring to. Boy, it, it may be time to have a little fun. A little fun with Google with a voice. voice. <laughs> That's Google. I'm Dave Koenig. I don't know about you guys, but I've got a little itch in the back of my throat for something me and Ken like to call Dave leaving the fuck out of this crap. Ah, that is fun the introduction for voice. fun with Google Voice. and. <laughs> This is a segment on the show where we uh, exploit a little something in a very uh, interesting way, and um, we have a, we have a, a little bit of some backstory for it. But first, before we do that, just really quick, Cam, what's what's Google Voice? Google Voice is a free service offered by the great folks over at Google. They give you a free phone number, and people can call you at that phone number. They can text you at it. And when someone leaves a voicemail, it'll even transcribe the text through a speech-to-text technology so that it can be forwarded to you in an email, or you could read it discreetly in a text somewhere if you're in a meeting or something. It, it literally transcribes what they say into words. However, this technology leaves much to be desired 
And the results are sometimes, I would say, all of the time, hilarious. Hilarity ensues each and every time yes. we do this. Now, uh, Dave, by the way, I'm going to stop you. Did I did I piss you off with the Dave impression I did back there? No, no, you didn't. You didn't. Because uh, you sounded you sounded like you didn't appreciate it so much. Can I appreciate and, each and everything you do in 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 various various ways? Uh, okay. okay, carry on. Just just look that way for a second. Just look over there. Look over there. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay. And we go on. Ken, you decided uh, this week. All right. So is the issue resolved? For now. Like, we can move for now. What do you mean? You bring it up later? <laughs> Asshole. Okay, you know, on. if I say it's resolved, then all the dramatic tension of this particular edition of the podcast goes out the window. Well, see, here's the thing. Dave hasn't gotten a lot of sleep. I have He's not. definitely fucking cranky. I I'll am. say that. And I know him. We work together. <laughs> If you haven't noticed, we do a lot of stuff together. I know him. And I know when I did this, my impression of him, the way he came back and was like, yeah, so anyway, what I was saying was, is his way of telling me with both fingers flipped, fuck you, Ken. No, that's not, that how, is- that's not how I would go about my business and you know it. <laughs> it would be more like this. <laughs> they threw beer bottles at my hand. I'm here and I'm just scared. I'm just scared. Oh, so that's what's happening on the inside? Oh, man. Inside, I'm a 20-year-old Ken Pond scared of beer bottles being thrown at by Chumbawamba fans. So, Ken, you found a little something interesting in uh, your travels around the World Wide Web and uh, a little something interesting going on. Uh, with with some legislation that's being proposed and and well, it's not just being proposed; it's being effing enacted, and it's ridiculous, Dave. I don't know how many of you follow New York politics and the Bloomberg administration in juxtaposition to say the uh, Gi- Giuliani administration. Dave, I know you know a little bit a bit about this. I know you pay attention to uh, it. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, right? But um, you know, there it's New York City. So you have to be prudent, and you have to be specific, and you have to be very, very uh, strict. That's a good word to say. You have to be strict Mm -hmm. on crime, you know, and legislation has to pass and be enforced, or else this is going to turn into, you know, like... uh, New York City, uh, 1978. Like like return to New York. It's going to be like that. It's going to be like a prison uh, thing where you have to rescue the president and they uh, escape from New York. Affair. Yes, it's yeah. going to be exactly like that unless unless you maintain a strict heavy hand on crime here in the city. Exactly. And so what they have put forth recently. This was two weeks ago. They made this announcement and um, kind of flew under the radar. By the way, yeah, it did. It was very strange. Um, they had Jeff Klein, which is a senator. For presented it for Mayor Bloomberg, and what it is is literally a law that states <laughs> you cannot carry a gun while you're drunk, and they're gonna actually call it CWI, C- carrying while carrying carrying while intoxicated. I should have. I think it should have been. P-U-I, packing, <laughs> while inebriated. 
<laughs> so wait, we actually we actually have a clip of Jeff Klein, the uh, the good senator himself, um, making that ridiculous ass speech. And listen carefully to it. Uh, it's all right, preposterous. Is, here's here's Senator Jeff Klein. Uh, we're here today uh, to introduce, I think, a no nonsense, uh, tough on crime piece of legislation. And when I mention this to a lot of people, most of them are very surprised <laughs> that we don't already have a law on the books. Whoops. Uh, which makes it a crime uh, to carry a gun while intoxicated. Uh, so today, this legislation uh, will create the crime of carrying a gun while intoxicated, or CWI. Here is uh, the this acronym. Is that's very important, because statistics show time and time again uh, that it's a toxic mix. Uh, duh. Uh, when you mix alcohol with someone carrying a gun. Uh, unfortunately, we don't track that data in New York State of how. Yeah, many we don't really pay attention to that stuff. Was <laughs> intoxicated, but we did do an analysis of the state liquor authorities' data, and what we see is a, a growing trend, a very dangerous growing trend, of uh, alcohol and uh, guns in bars causing many crimes. If you watch Roadhouse for a couple. <laughs> Uh, there's 94 instances around the state of New York, most of them downstate, uh, which were disturbances or arrests uh, in bars while people were intoxicated uh, carrying weapons. Statistically uh, speaking, yeah. As the uh, mayor said, uh, would create this crime. Uh, it would actually have a penalty of $10,000 up to one year in jail, uh, and someone would actually lose uh, their gun permit. That's all? That's all. first offense. <laughs> and actually lose it up to 18 months what? for another offense. Uh, so this is, I think... Yeah, that's definitely tough. Approach. And I think uh, this is also proving that we have a zero tolerance uh, for carrying guns uh, while intoxicated. If you think about it for a moment... Oh, I'm thinking uh, about it. taken the crime of driving while intoxicated very I've considered it. Uh, ...in our state. Uh, I think we should apply oh that same... You're familiar with drunk drivers. <laughs> Uh, while intoxicated but here's a well. little spin on that. Said, uh, <laughs> we will be the 21st state. 20 states uh, already have CWI laws. As a matter of fact, our neighboring state of Massachusetts... So you're fucking 20 states uh, late on this. Place. Yeah. Uh, not, when it, when, when has Massachusetts are been a neighbor of New York? <laughs> That's the same way that uh, New Jersey is a neighbor of Kansas. legislation uh, will be signed into law before the end of this session uh, because I think we have... To nah, nobody's going to sign that law. Uh, that we have a zero tolerance for carrying oh. a gun while intoxicated. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I want a little bit of, uh, a, little bit of uh, a cameo by our good... Mayor, uh, yes, Michael yes, Bloomberg. making a cameo. Now, Dave, tell me that is not the most ridiculous shit you've ever heard. Well, a couple of impressions, if I may. Um, yeah, please. Let's say somebody does have a gun. Yes. Okay. And they do have a license to carry it. Yes. Okay. And they're carrying it into public places where that's probably dangerous enough. I mean, that, that right there, if you take it into a, an ice cream parlor, there is a danger that there is a gun in the room yeah. at play. Yeah. Yes. At what point do you say that gun is so much more dangerous if somebody's drinking and then what do what should that person do? I mean, like, okay, you're at a party. Your yeah. car is outside the party. You are no longer engaged in the party. You go to the party and you decide, I'm going to have some drinks. 
At some point, maybe you'd went one too many over the line. And the prudent thing to do is say, I'm not going to drive my car, which is good because it's not in my pocket. In the case of somebody who is carrying a gun and is in the process of drinking alcohol and goes one over the line, at that point, should they then ditch the gun? Should they hand it to the nearest child? Uh, I, you know, well, you know go ahead. according to that, the right thing to do is to walk up to the nearest police officer and say, Officer, I've had too much to drink. I'd like to give you my gun because I'm clearly way too drunk to be having this gun. And, you know, I don't think someone that drunk, though, is going to have that rationale. Exactly, exactly. Like, I am so trashed. I better give this gun to a cop so nothing goes yeah. down. And, you know, guns are... And, you know, this is my whole thing with, with, with guns. Unless you have a live in a place or have a job or have a situation you're in that you need something to defend yourself as simply a defensive thing, mm-hmm. by all means, get a gun. Absolutely. Don't get 20 guns and stockpile them in your basement. Don't show people the gun. Just be discreet. Don't don't you know? take the gun, tuck don't it in your sweatpants and go dancing. Yeah, and go have a few. Now, I don't think anybody really says to themselves, oh man, it's going to be a great freaking night. I'm going to get smashed. going to see the boys. Gonna, you know, we're going to talk about old time. It's going to be great. <laughs> I've got my cologne on. All right, I've got my hair like kind of, you know, palmed up with that like, you know, styling gel straight up and down. And then like, even though I have short hair, it's too short to spike up. I'm going to do it anywhere and wear like a striped shirt, you know, a mm-hmm. striped shirt mm-hmm. and wear khakis and have a watch. You know, that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look like kind of like, you know, punkish kind of like like uh, preppy and I'm gonna oh wait a minute dude oh I have got to bring my gun that's right yeah that's the one accessory missing you know it's so, ridiculous and, and you know alcohol is we, we've we found it to be something that may compromise your judgment yeah a little bit and not only that your ability to physically react and respond you know your 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 responses from danger you, you know walking down a staircase blah 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 blah, blah. They, right. they mess all that up you know and so I, I think it's ridiculous that the especially when he was like you know you know we have a problem with drunk driving but here's something new we probably don't, don't like so much is being drunk while carrying a gun. We're going to do that now. Dude, you might as well be, be like, okay, uh, this year it's going to be illegal to operate a crane <laughs> while drunk. And then the next year it's going to be like, you know, we realize that it's probably a bad idea that people drink while while piloting a submarine. Yeah, we're getting so a we're little going, too specific we're, here. You know, like, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Just <clears throat> say, just say, and it's like, how much is too much when you have a gun? 
Not to mention know? the fact that it, it, they can be working on legislation that actually will address trends that are incredibly dangerous. Like, for instance, uh, people uh, texting on their cell phones. I mean, they are trying to go after this, but you know, they, they're going after it in a way that doesn't really uh, threaten anybody. Because yeah. you might get a small fine if you're caught. You know, you'll get a moving right. violation ticket. And you know what people do? They complain about it. They pay the ticket, and it's done. And that's that. So, but if if I was this dude, I would say, you know, the, the rule would be, well, you know, you can't have car keys and a cell phone. That's illegal. You can't own both. It's, right. it's, it doesn't address the issue. People are going to do it anyway. Here's here's my here's my theory, and please. I've kind of taken us off course, but it's okay. No, no, but please, if you want to, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll apply it to our situation here. Make it illegal to carry handguns in public unless you are a law enforcement officer, especially in New York City, because honestly, no one needs them. You do not need a gun in New York City. That's how you, you get tough not on guns. Need a gun. I mean, if you're living in a certain neighborhood, it's probably a good idea you get a gun, but just don't live in that neighborhood. <laughs> but wait, if nobody is allowed to have guns, you know how what happens to guns? There are a lot fewer of them on the street. <laughs> That's yeah, a funny guns thing that, that aren't there don't seem to kill people yeah. as much as guns that are there. Gun, guns um, don't kill people. People kill people. But guns that aren't there don't kill people. So people <laughs> don't kill people when they don't have guns. This is like modus tollens. I mean, come on. It's simple math. Oh, definitely. Like, just like modus tollens. <laughs> well, the, 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 the thing about it is, too, it's like there's a, you know, the gun trafficking is something very closely monitored. But, but dude... You can't really stop someone from getting their hands on a gun. If I wanted to get a gun illegally, mind you, I could get it legally if I wanted to. But if I wanted to illegally, I could have one tomorrow. You know what I mean? It People depends. Are gonna get it depends. Guns. You know, you it, know? it depends. You know, if you are, if you, if you regulate properly and it's been done in other ways. I mean, think about how many black market, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Think about how many black market cars there are out there. Right. You know, there aren't any because the entire industry is regulated. Yes. They have it. They have yes. it down to a science. And yeah. you know, cars that have you know run past their registration or miss their inspection, they're taken off the road. So yeah. an unsafe vehicle is not on the road. So if there's right. an unsafe uh, uh, instrument, i.e. a gun, take it yeah, out of circulation. Yeah, but it's much easier to see a car than it is to see a gun. I mean, a car is not noticeable. That, I a mean, guy that, can walk some past you that, yeah. wearing a gun, you wouldn't know. Right. Well, you know, it, right now, there is no difference between an illegal gun and a legal gun being carried by somebody in New York City, uh, handgun, mind you, uh, right. Actually, know, there is if no, there's there's there one is, difference. There, there, there are clauses a piece of paper. and there are loopholes. No, no, there's a piece of paper that says one is legal and one is not. No, no, no. I mean, there are special circumstances where that's amended depending on the person, depending on number one their psychological profile, and if they've recently been the the victim of an assault. 
or repeated assaults. Okay, or, well, you know, you know restraining what, here's, orders. Here's they what revoked for certain individuals. Give them a blunderbuss. You know what a blunderbuss is? I have no fucking clue. It's the kind of gun that, you, like, they typically show in a cartoon of a, a pilgrim hunting a turkey. You know, oh, is the, there a cork in the end? <laughs> not a cork in the end. No, but it's like you know, it's it, it looks like a like a, tu- a trumpet at the end. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yes. One shot, and you have to spend the next four hours reloading if you want to shoot again. <laughs> Let those out on the streets freely for all I care. Because wow. if you're gonna shoot, you're gonna mean it, and nobody's mean, gonna fe- sneak that in anywhere. I see. In other words. You really have to think carefully about what you're about to shoot because you've got about four hours of prep. Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, but you know, what do you say to those women who are a woman about to be like gang raped in a in a in a in an alley? She's. You think she's going to be able to be like, hold on, let me just um, clear my (laughs) musket muzzle. You know, pour in some of the gunpowder, but not too much. There are other there are other musket. Clean the musket. Poke the musket with that stick. You know, there are other non-lethal uh, uh, ways of 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 uh, handling an attacker. I agree. I agree. And, and I am, miss, I am actually an advocate for non-lethal weapons. But the problem is, right now, as it stands. The gun is, in the eyes of the government, in the eyes of law enforcement legislation, is considered, well, we want to make sure in, certain, in, a, in most situations, if we have to kill someone, they're definitely going to die. That is, the, that is the reason why there's plenty of non-lethal alternatives, but that is the reason why. We've not been given these options. And I mean, Dave, the technology is amazing. I mean, it's, you know, basically like from Star Trek, there's a, there's a type of a gun that emits something that just renders a person unconscious for five minutes. Perfect. Perfect. With no, you know, with no ill effects. I mean, you know, but but no, because it's not, it, they, they deem their situations that they're going to want to make sure someone is completely dead. And well, uh, not to mention the fact that I'm sure that like the tobacco industry, there is, I'm sure a lot of influence in the establishment that, uh, the gun manufacturers exert on the system to quell the possibility of a non-lethal alternative being widespread. You know, like, I'm thinking about, like, these cars in the 50s, like the 40s and 50s, the ones with the fins, like like the old Batmobile-looking thing. You know, yeah, those kind okay. of cars. You know why That's you don't more s- 60, but you're talking about, like, the 57 Chevy with the fins. On yeah, the yeah, exactly, exactly. You know why you don't see those anymore? What, why? Because they were dangerous. And in what way? Those, in, in, a, in an accident, especially with a pedestrian, those sharp parts of that car become lethal weapons. Ah, so everything had to become more rounded mm-hmm. and less lethal. Yes. Another thing that you might find interesting about those cars is they used to have something called a horn ring, <laughs> which was, I'm serious. I know this sounds made up, which was literally a, you know, instead of you just push the center of your steering wheel, you get a honking noise. Back then, your thumb had to press this literal metal ring that went you know, in, in a concentric smaller circle right next to the actual steering wheel. So with your thumb, you pushed it with both thumbs to get the horn to sound. Okay? Now, those things are so ridiculously dangerous 
because there were so many accidents where there's head-on collision and that thing gets unbent and the person is impaled on those things. Well, there you go. I mean, just like... There you go. So they yeah. took a lethal uh, 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 situation and they made it less lethal. Like, right. why, why can we not use that same line of thinking to flood the market with less alternative, less lethal alternatives that are just as effective in putting somebody down and make that the norm? It's, I, uh, you know no, what it is? It's, you know what it is? It's, 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 it's that it's the, <clears throat> uh, the right to bear arms in the Constitution. I'm, I'm all for it having had been written because, yeah. you know, back when the Constitution was drafted and signed into law in 1776 or thereabouts, depending on what Things history book different. you look at, yeah. there were bears. And there were people living out in the middle of nowhere with bears Indians attacking. Yeah. Them, you know, there, or, there, there, or, there was you know, cause just, for just somebody the to say just the thought to if you have property. To be able to defend your property was something that was much more necessary. Right, back then. right. But I, I think our, cha- our thinking has not evolved with the times as far as uh, lethal weapons go. And, 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 you know, George Bush, um, one of the things that most deeply infuriated me when he was president is that he decided to let the, um, the, the waiting period on assault weapon. Oh, no, he, he, he decided to let the assault weapons ban lapse. That's what it was. Okay. He made an announcement about it in, I forgot where, somebody in the middle of the country, somewhere in the middle of the country, like Kansas or Missouri or something like that. That same day, he left the you know he took off in the chopper yeah. or Air Force One. I'm not even sure which, and it's been a while since I uh, heard the story, so I'm a little bit fuzzy on details. That same day, in the same state where he was announcing that, somebody went into a mall with an automatic weapon and shot a bunch of people. You are kidding? No, me. no. First of all, there is. You know, a semi-automatic rifle. That's not a hunting thing. No, no. Okay, that's not. That's a an unfair sport. fight, right there. It's yeah. It's not not a sport. You know, you can't considering firing a, a weapon that can destroy a car. You can't call that a recreational thing. I'm sorry, that's not recreational. No, no. That's just dangerous and stupid. Handguns. I definitely can see if I happen to be in. A dangerous situation and I've been properly trained on the safety and use of the gun I'm going to want to have the gun as an advantage you can have a but blunderbuss that, that's what you can have what is blunderbuss again it's, it's, the, it's the thing that looks like a, a, a trumpet oh yes you can yes, have a you can have a blunderbuss no, 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 with no, one no. shot or you can have a non-lethal weapon with unlimited firing capability which would you rather have Oh, the the non lethal definitely. There you go. Why the like let's, common sense here, folks? Let's let's yeah. use. So we yeah. we have this Google Voice thing, Ken. <laughs> Man, talk about a segment that never got on its feet. Yeah, but I mean, there was a lot to talk about in that stupid, stupid uh, announcement they made. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so yeah, let's move I, so on. One day I will get into my whole thing about the cell phone and the texting, and but but this is we do have the Google Voice technology that we are going to exploit for comedy. Uh, yes. Because this is a comedy show, depending, you know, despite what you may have just depending heard. Depending on how you look at it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two goofs pretending to talk serious about politics can right. be hilarious. Um, it also can be fucking retarded. It, yeah. Go on. I, well, let's not. Because using that let's word not right be the now. the judge. But using that word right now, 
is politics. So be careful because we might tread into that's some true. very political that's waters. True. That's true. So, okay, what we did was we took that speech <laughs> by him. None oh, of the man. views expressed by me and Dave are necessarily the views expressed by me and Dave. Don't hurt us. <laughs> So Senator Jeff Klein gave that big, beautiful announcement about this uh, earth-shattering legislation that will save us all from uh, drunk people with guns, the same people who would never pull the trigger if they weren't drunk, I'm sure. Right, yes. Uh, We took that speech and we ran it through the Google Voice technology, and uh, the Google Voice technology transformed that audio into readable text. And what we do is we, we will then read it to you for fun. Now, ordinarily, we would like you to call us and leave us a voicemail, 347-829-PUNK or 347-829-7865. So if you want to have us interpret your your words this way, we certainly will. But this time, we're going to do it with this speech. Now, Ken, how are we doing this one? Well, we are. I'm going to play some music while Dave well, I'm doing this one. delivers. Okay. Yeah, Dave's doing this one. He's cut out for it. It delivers, delivers a public speech style speech. While reading Google Voice's interpretation of Jeff Klein's drunken gun speech. So I will play the music, and Dave, whenever you're ready, I'll follow you. With yesterday to introduce, I think, there's no nonsense, tough, on-time piece of legislation, and what I mentioned, just a lot of people, mostly for a surprise that we don't already have a little on the books, we can make it a crime. If you carry. I've gone wrong, talk to kids. I was just say this legislation all will create the crime of Karen has gone well. I'll talk to you later. C.W.R. This is something that's very important because statistics show time and time again at Cox. <laughs> .net, when you mix alcohol with someone... And I've got, unfortunately, don't track that with every New York state of how many crimes were committed or something. With, and it's gone wild top security. But we could do an analysis of the statement with already status. And we see is a growing trend is very dangerous trend, growing trend back alcohol and guns involved. Closing, many clients about effect. If you look over the last by your peers, I did not receive. For instance, is around the state of New York. Most of them downstate, which with disturbances arrest in Boswell, people wanted to talk to. Gated Karen, weapons. This legislation is yet made a sec. We create this is fine. Anyway, I actually have a penalty of $10,000 up to one year in jail. I have something would actually lose. They're going to call me at for a year for the first offense and actually lose it up to want to talk to Kate. If you think about it for a moment, weak, taking the client of driving while intoxicated very seriously in Austin, I think we should apply that same tux pay. <laughs> Oh, here's where I lose it. I think we should apply that same tux pants untended dot. I want to talk to you cases as well. I think that you're set. We will be the 21st 820 states. I already have. C.W.Y. Lawyers. I was not a factor neighboring state of Massachusetts and Connecticut. I have such boys. I think it just makes uh, off a lot of sense. 
I have to do everything possible to protect the safety of the residents of New York State. So again, I want to West thank you, the mayor. I'm hopeful that this legislation... I will be signed into law before the end of this edition because I think we have to prove once the info that we have a zero tolerance for... (laughs) Damn it. Because I think we have to prove once info that we have a zero tolerance for Tony. I don't want to talk to you. Thank you, mister. Just calling to say thank you for reading the charger here for this. Thank you. I have a low tolerance for Tony. I can tell you that much right now. He doesn't want to talk to him. He doesn't want to talk he to Tony. He has a low tolerance for Tony. I don't want to talk to you. Gated Karen. Oh, I mean, dude, seriously, I'm crying. I really am crying. It doesn't, you know, it never fails us. This is just uh, too much fun. Oh, really? I'm going to pass out. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because... All right, well, go go back to so, <laughs> go back to something he said about what was it? What what were some of your favorite parts? And I think they were my favorite parts too. Well, you know, um, uh, <laughs> most of them downstate, which would disturbances arrest in Boswell. People wanted to talk to <laughs> gated Karen weapons. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Oh. And something about tucked pants. <laughs> Tux. Oh, that's right. I think we should apply that same tux pants untended dot. Yeah, I agree. You know <laughs> what? He said something about. He said something about. He fucking plugged a gay porn website. He remember he oh. he plugged cox.net. <laughs> Could you read that sentence? Statistics please? show time and again at cox.net when you mix alcohol with someone. <laughs> You know what's funny about this? What's really extra funny about this is that this yeah. speech makes a hell of yes. a lot more sense to me through Google Voice than through it did. Google Voice. Because <laughs> at least he can acknowledge that as New Yorkers, we all have a very low tolerance for Tony. <laughs> we do. There's no... He was... Yeah, that Google Voice really, really made it make sense. Tony, you're on notice. You are listening. Oh, if you, oh by the way, I'm, I'm already taking us to the break but but uh once again if you do want to take part in the little fun uh thing we got going on here fun with google voice please give us a call leave us a voicemail we don't pick up and this is important for you to know we do not pick up the phone we just let the voicemail <laughs> pick it up uh just like way we do in uh uh you know in yeah, our we're not going to pick up the phone and make fun of you and no, i think that's no. what most people we'll ignore of. you the way most people ignore uh, calls from creditors uh exactly. the number is 347-829-PUNK 347-829-7865 nice job on this one ken yeah, or write us an email on info at thecommercials.tv, and we'll be happy to address your comment, question, or anything. And don't forget to register to sign up for thecommercials.tv. Just click on the registration link, and you can make comments, and we'll even respond to those comments on the air. You betcha. John DiCepolo, sports anchor extraordinaire, will be joining us in just a couple of seconds. And uh, we're going to talk all about the uh, the news industry in general and uh, hear a pretty impressive story about uh, life with the Cowboys. That should be really yes. interesting. Yes. Uh, you are listening to the Commercials Freak Podcast on the Commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. Ken, what are we going to do now? We're doing a commercial, baby. <laughs> Day 
Chief, have you noticed in recent years pencils aren't as sharp as they used to be? Hey, Ken, you know, the other day I had a pencil that was just rounder than you could imagine. Roundness is horrible in a pencil. They should be sharp. What I think that happened is a government conspiracy took over the pencil sharpening industry. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating concept, Ken. Where can we find more about it? You can read more about it at PencilSharpenerGovernmentConspiracy.com or go to Wikipedia and just type in G P G P Government Pencil Sharpening Conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. here on the commercials freight podcast of the commercials.tv and the magic of itunes and replay hey ken that music can only mean one thing only one thing indeed my friend that means that it's time for podcast to podcast now the rules of this are that we find people that we like and we appreciate and we respect and uh these people can either a have a podcast b be involved in a podcast in some way c have ever listened to a podcast or d ken have no actual association with any podcast whatsoever. Right. The the, the thinnest criteria of all time. Now, and then forget e, podcast. You couldn't be fucking oh. anybody. Well, or, or, or I'll say F and a professional broadcaster who's uh, been seen on uh, uh, here in New York, at least uh, Fox and, and the CBS affiliate. And he's a, uh, Man, is he a professional as far as professionals wow, go in the world dude, of sports. That was the most amazing turnaround segue I think I've ever heard. Congratulations. That has got to be the king of all segues away from something that could possibly be insulting to our guest. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's say hello, first of all, <laughs> to John DiCepolo, sports anchor extraordinaire. John, it's good to talk to you. Scott, Scott, Scott. Yeah. I love Scott. Oh, hello, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, John. Oh, we're on the air now. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, 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 we have begun the podcast. Uh, <laughs> First of all, John, uh, you have recently joined the ranks of the fathers uh, in this world, and congratulations, and how's it going so far? Thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Uh, First of all, I want to no say problem. thanks for having me on your show. Oh yeah, um, of course. It's, uh, it's, it's been an adventure, I'll be honest with you. I uh, haven't gotten a lot of sleep the last couple of weeks. My son Tyler was born on January 24th, and uh, it's just being being a father and finally being brought into this into this club is just an absolute blessing and it's a miracle and uh, it's amazing how you look at life differently. It's just been wonderful. I've heard that. I've yeah. heard that. Ken, you know, Ken Dave heard me too on and is, on. is Dave too is a recent father. And well, he tells reason, me of yeah. the same. Yes, he is. And he tells me of the same amazingness that is the gift. <laughs> However, I'm not married. I'm a bachelor. And the thought of having a child scares the living piss out of me. <laughs> so now, 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 you, this is a good on. point that Ken brings up, Dave, because I had the exact same thoughts. And my wife and I talked about this for over a year. Wow, I mean, really? we got together and we, we decided to get married. And I decided to, you know, cash in the man card and pull that trigger. <laughs> I thought what an idiot I was for doing that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, 
when we when we decided to get married, we weren't sure if we were going to have children or not, and uh, we went back and forth on it, back and forth on it. But now that we've decided to make the commitment and do it, um, I, I'm really glad we did. However, I will say this: I think What's well, that? I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but no, no, I think there are certain rules in this country that need, need to be abided by, and I don't think people should be allowed to get married before the age of 25. Mm, and I don't think that they should you. have kids before 28. Amen. You know what? I could not agree with that more. Those are my sentiments exactly. Yeah, back when Serious our parents God. were I mean, were having kids, it's you know they seem to have it so much more together at such an early age. And now, I uh, you know there are so many idiots walking around that you just pray that they don't uh, procreate. Oh, I, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's it's no back to this. How many how many times can you? And your friends think of when you were in the car with mom and dad going on a road trip somewhere and you're lying down in the back, like near the windshield. <laughs> now, back then it was cool to do. You do that now, you get arrested. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I guess, you know what it was? You guys talk about a different time. I think it was just a case where I, I, I truly believe that our parents didn't have to worry about so much of the crap that's going on in the world today that it's we true. had to worry about. You could no, get by absolutely. on one income, you could have a stay at home mom. I mean, life was different. No, I, I yeah. could walk to school a mile each way at six years old, and it was like totally cool. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no worries uh, that you were going to show up on a milk carton no somewhere. There were no play dates. It was go outside and find kids in the neighborhood and get a game going if you want to play a game. That's it. Yeah, play yeah. dates. And they were there. What is they that were, about? There was no right. end to the kids. Now, Ken and I grew up actually in the same neighborhood, uh, like several blocks away from we each did. other. That's uh, and 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 that was our neighborhood. There were just kids all over the place. And now you walk through the streets, and you're lucky if you see four or five. Uh, and but they're all inside, and and it's just not the same. We sound like old men. Jeez. This is how it starts. You know, we start eating the fat-free crap. They start banning dodgeball. Uh, this country's a bunch of fucking pussies. We got to change it now. My knees are gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like this guy. I like this guy a well, lot. I've, I've I've known and liked John for a long, long, long time, and he and I um, went to Hofstra together, and we actually would do very much the same. Uh, just rambling from subject to subject on a morning show we used to do at their college radio station there but since then john here we come with a segue ken since then john has gone on to some pretty big success as a sportscaster in, in the world of sportscasting <laughs> now john uh we had talked a little bit would before he be we got as a on. goddamn sportscaster Besides the world, In the of, world of fucking basket making <laughs> jesus dave nice copy you've got written there for yourself yeah, I pre-write all of my improvs. Uh, so, John, <laughs> where are you right now? Because um, we we know where you have been seen, but where what's what's going on right now? And I know before we got on, we said let's just let John fly and tell us what because I don't even know the answer to this yet. Yeah, what's well, going on I'll, with you I'll and you your career? Background: um, I graduated Hofstra in '94. I bounced around the country okay. a little bit. Worked in uh, Yonkers for two years. Worked in Albany for a year. Um, if you ever have a chance to go to Albany, pass. <laughs> um, no. My first year of undergrad was there. It's a sty pit. Exactly. Um, went to Dallas for three years, and as a single guy in Dallas, da- Dallas was a fun time. Dallas was I a can really, imagine. really, really, really good town. And um, you know, uh, came to New York in 2002. Was at the Fox affiliate for five years. Uh, got let go due to new management. When they come in and they tell you. Um, you guys ever see the movie Goodfellas? Yeah. Okay. Which movie? I missed that. Good, Sorry. Goodfellas. Oh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. The one scene where Joe Pesci walks in the room 
and he realizes he's about to get whacked, and he goes, oh, no, bam, and they blow his brains up. Uh, those of you listening at home who haven't seen Goodfellas, I'm sorry, I just ruined the movie for you. Um, There's that was parts a scene that I had at Fox when I was let go. Uh, the news director called me into his office and said, why don't you come on in? I said, what's up? He goes, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. So I thought it was nothing you know, casual. I walk in. The news director is standing up. The general manager is sitting at the news director's desk, Oh. And, and there's a security guard next to him. I said, what's going oh, on? I said, I'm going to close the door. Oh, yeah, my it's, it's, God. It, as soon as I turned around and closed the door, I was like, oh, shit, I'm getting fired. And wow. I asked them, I said, what did I do wrong? And they said, listen, not, nothing against you personal. We're just going to, quote, unquote, go in a different direction. Jeez. So I was on the beach for three months, and I was lucky enough to get a job at, uh, at WCBS-TV uh, filling in on nights and weekends. But I was primarily their morning sports anchor. Which to me is the biggest bullshit title in the world, but I needed a job, so <laughs> fuck it, take the job. What do you do for a living? I wear makeup. Fuck you. Um, so I, 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 I went to CBS, and um, I was there for a year and a half, and then sure enough, in, Je in December of 2008, four days before Christmas, December 21st, oh. the news director calls in his office and says, what's up? He goes, why don't you close the door? And I was like, deja vu. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. The difference this time around, though, when I was let go at Fox... There was an option in my contract for a third year that they elected not to pick up. So I got paid like four weeks severance, and it was like, see you, you're gone. Wow. With CBS, oh, wow. this is the kicker with CBS. CBS said, listen, um, there's a clause in your contract called pay or play, and nice. uh, we're going to exercise that clause. Now, for those people that don't understand what, what that clause means, it essentially means the station can pay you to stay home and keep you off the air, but they have to still pay your salary because they can't oh, fire you for cause. But I said, okay, you're going to keep me at home? They said, yeah. I said, for how long? They said, the length of your contract. I said, my contract's 19 months. I have 19 months left of my contract. They said, yeah, we know. I said, I get a raise in three months. Yeah, we're going to pay it. You're going to pay me to stay wow, home. Yeah. Now, here's how it works. God. Here's how it works. If you get another job on TV somewhere else, then obviously that contract that CBS is paying you would stop and the new contract. <laughs> But what oh. they don't tell you is that I can get a job doing something else while they're still paying me. That's awesome. It, no, it can't that be on TV. It can't be on, it can't be on radio. It can't ever. be a voiceover. Uh, you know, I can, I can um, you know, they, there's actually a clause in the contract. There's actually a morals clause in, in most television contracts um, that if you do, quote, unquote, questionable behavior, they can use it as grounds for termination. For example, well, sure, sure. if you get pulled over for DUI, they can fire you. Right. You get nothing. Um I actually had a job oh, as a bartender for a while. And I was just making, you know, making good money on the side. And my agent said, "Listen, I, w I wouldn't bartend." I said, "Why?" And he goes, "They may deem that, you know, not unsavory." I think it's the biggest uh, bunch of horseshit in the world. Wow, that is horseshit. Um, Talk about a slap in the face to bartenders. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think bartenders are great. I had a great time bartending. I could tell stories, and you know, uh, just, just hit a ball. That's awesome. so. Basically, if if I may, Scott, the, the rules Scott. of this agreement <laughs> was. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna call him whatever fucking name I want to call him. Okay, okay. Calling him, right, you're calling him Scott works. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know where that came Scott from, dude. My apologies. Uh, is because I just bought some bathroom tissue. Uh, um, Mark, the, Mark, 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 don't sweat it, Mark. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> call me Mark, please. Um, so basically, the rules of this agreement were that y you couldn't get another job. Which is awesome. Which is like you get to be paid to be lazy, but you had to behave yourself. Which that part is probably the part that's that sucked the most. It's like I don't have to look for another job. I get to sit at home and get paid, 
but I can't go out and spend my money and be an asshole. You can't Basically. be an asshole, and, and you really got to be careful. Like, if you're going to go crazy in town, you know, you don't want to wind up on page six of the post. So if I was going to tear it up somewhere, exactly. I'd, I'd really, I'd leave town is what I'd do. Um, now, oh, okay. Now, well, the million-dollar question is, John, so you were you were let go from CBS. No, actually, I wasn't said, let go. Oh, okay. Technically, I'm still, I'm, you know, and, and this is the All this, this cool industry thing. Charging. You go to interview for a new job, and they say, what's your current situation? What's your current employment status? They say, I'm still employed. Oh, so they took you off the air. Maybe that's probably oh. more accurate. They took you off the air at CBS. They said, you have to sit at home, and you cannot work for anybody else, and we will continue to pay you. Now the million-dollar question is, is that how you ended up being a daddy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, See how he's good at tying stuff That's back? a good question. <laughs> I had too much free time in my hand. I'm like, hey, That's baby, right. you're looking pretty good tonight. Um, <laughs> exactly. No, uh, it, it, it was a factor. I'm not going to lie to you. It was a factor because... It's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see your son being born and be able to be with him in the first few weeks 24-7. Yes, that's the greatest. That's I mean, honestly, I had that privilege, too. My, my wife and I were both home and uh, were able to just watch all these cool things that happen every single day. And, and, I, and I think you totally you know hit the jackpot as far as that goes. And... and that is, I agree. That's completely awesome when you have a chance to be home and and not miss out on a lot of these early things that are just so great. So right. So yeah, we're starting to sound current, like Oprah a bit, but my current status um, is you know when I was let go and, and um, basically my last day there was January 29th of two thousand. So you weren't let go. Um, oh, oh oh oh! So you ran out through the the nineteen months has been run up out has run out. No no it hasn't run out yet. It doesn't run out until the end of June of this year. Oh okay. So you haven't been let go. I have no, to correct you there, John. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I say let go. My last day on the air there, though, uh, right, they right. asked me, they, they said, can you stay on you know, up until the Super Bowl? And I said, sure. Because at that time, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make a tape, do what I have to do. I was smart enough to make a news tape as well. Uh, ah. Because even though I love sports, sports is my passion. Um, the, the current economic climate, and you're going to see a lot of TV stations doing this now, um, for instance, WCBS now, when they do their sports, it's not just WCBS Channel 2 Sports. It's WCBS Sports sponsored by WFAN Radio. Right, 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 right. Um, they're okay. consolidating their sports departments, and sports anchors are becoming a uh, like a dinosaur, if you will. Um, mm. So I said, okay, I have two choices. One, I can try and stay in the game as a sports anchor, or I can try and adapt to the current model and make the transition to a news anchor. Now, news, it, news interests me, don't get me wrong. But news is a totally different animal. You know, when you're a it sports is. guy, you can you can ham it up, you can have fun, you can be comical. You know, when you're reading a story about two guys that were shot in Brooklyn, you can't be an asshole and smile at the camera because you're going to get fired. No. And that's, you know, I, I, when I was doing news way back, way back when, that was the biggest thing for me is because you just felt like, what what is the... How can you reach a level of comfort talking to people who just lost their, you know, son, daughter, what have you, right. uh, in a tragic situation. You know, it just exactly. it doesn't, it, there's no good way to get comfortable. Um, and, and I would imagine that a lot of what you benefited from as a sports guy, going out and interviewing athletes and things like that, is your ability to get personal with them, you know, yes. to joke around, to pal around, to be, you know, a, a, a person with them. And, and in news, that just doesn't fly. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, 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 you bring up a very good point. I think a lot of times, um, a lot of news directors nowadays will look at a sports guy and say, I want to make him my weekend anchor or my morning anchor because he has the energy, can think on his feet, 
can ad lib very quickly. Um, and there's a lot of news people that I've talked to that have said, you know, hey, I'm going to interview uh, former President Bill Clinton today, or I'm going to interview, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to go to the White House press room and, and I'm going to ask a question to President Barack Obama. I'm kind of intimidated. Mm. And, you know, people said to me, don't you get intimidated when you ask questions to these guys? I said, not at all. And they said, why not? I said, are you kidding me? Try going to Yankee Stadium and doing a one-on-one with George Steinbrenner. We're going to see who's going to start sweating. Right. Yeah, you deal yeah, with yeah. multi-million-dollar owners and egos that are so huge that you know Robbie Knievel is going to jump them on Fox as a stunt because their egos are <laughs> the size of mountains. You, you kind of get pretty used to the game and how to play it, and, it, and it, it's a very delicate balancing act. Um, but the reality is, I still I still love my job uh, as far as being on TV and, and being a, a host of some kind or an anchor. Um, and throughout this time, I've had more phone calls and more interest for news. Than I have sports because when you think about it, you know there's only one main sports guy per station where there could be six, eight, ten news anchors per station. Right. So your Absolutely. odds increase dramatically if you try and go over to news. Well, um, right. There's more security and, and in news, and what what I found the last um, year and a half is that you know in the early '90s the pendulum swung so far to the left where everybody wanted a minority. They wanted mm. blacks. They wanted Hispanics. They wanted Asians. They wanted Pakistanis. Whatever. They forgot about the white male news anchor. And guess what? Now, with the exception of maybe Chris Raggy, there's not a lot of white male news anchors out there. Yeah, it's, so, it's sort of uh, swung the other way for sure. Exactly. So the only drawback with that is nine times out of ten, and this is the reality that you have to face. Um, I told my wife this. I said, I feel like an athlete who gets traded every five years and you have to move. And she brought up a good point. She said, yeah, the only reality is that you know, you're know you not making athlete money. I said, yeah, I wish I was. I wish, I wish it was 1970 <laughs> I was making Ron Burgundy money. But yeah, right, that's yeah. not the case wow. anymore. It's just not. So I think if I were to take a news job now, I would probably have to leave New York for a couple of years and go to a Denver, a Dallas, a uh, Seattle, a San Francisco, Chicago. Uh, you know, Cut your teeth in news before you have the ability to come back. I well, don't how do you like feel that. About that. It's not what yeah. I want to do, but it's just, it is the way it is. Yeah, well, I mean, if you've, not, if you've never seen John on TV, uh, he is what you would imagine a, an anchor to look like. He is just like, <laughs> you know, cut out of granite. I think we used to call you uh, Remington Steel back in college. <laughs> wow, very funny. <laughs> oh, that's Thank you. Funny. Which sort of uh, it, it there's a there's a story I wanted to bring up. Um, John John and I and two other college friends decided to go on a cruise when we were in our early oh, mid twenties. This is post college, and get ugly. It's, I'm not gonna no. I don't know. There's there's nothing really amazing to it. But the the thing about it is, at the time, John, you were you were uh, involved in a in a in a you know a steady relationship, and the rest of us were uh, bachelor guys. You're and, a bunch of man whores, and I applauded you for it. But the thing is. <laughs> The guy who all these women probably were like, oh, blah, 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 was the guy, one guy who was taken, and the rest of us were just absolutely striking out left and right. And it was like, man, I, 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 I don't even know if I have a punchline to this. I'm still just bitter to the fact that you had probably more chances as a guy and who the was fact that already you in a get steady laid relationship. On a cruise is like I don't know. It's like not getting beaten by a cop in L.A. It just doesn't happen. You know, you right. got to get laid. going to crucify you because you couldn't close the deal. Now, now he's going to crucify you. Exactly. <laughs> if you can't get get laid on a cruise, then you just can't. You know, you're done. We were all just too nice. We were just nice guys. <laughs> and to to John's credit, to John's credit, he he was he was uh, you know he he was true to his cause, and uh, I can vouch for that single handedly. 
Well, thank you. Thank uh, you whatever that um, means. Um, unfortunately, I did not end up... Uh, the, the girl that I was with at the time was a very sweet, loving, um, very sensitive person. That bitch. But anyway... <laughs> um, no. Um, Dude, this guy is good-looking and he's funny. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you don't meet too many good-looking, funny people. No, no, and and I think that's going to serve you really well, John. I think if you do decide to get into the anchor, but see, you're you're the type of guy who I can see eventually doing like the Today Show or Good Morning America, one of those shows where you can sort of like run the gamut and 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 goof around a bit and Change also maybe up. do some yeah. serious stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Well, I think that's that's the I think that's the biggest asset anyone can be right now in TV is you've got to be versatile. You can't be one dimensional. Right. So you mm-hmm. know, other than going to get my AMS seal to do weather. Because you know me, I'd be, I'd be such a wise ass to be like, it's 85 in LA today. That's because of the Mexican high coming up. <laughs> uh, you know, but um, but I, I think I think for the most part, you have to be versatile. You have to be willing to adapt to your environment. And uh, you know, God love my wife. She's extremely understanding. She understands what I do, um, and uh, she knows it's not easy and it's tough. And you know, right now, you know, my contract work with CBS runs out at the end of June of this year, and. Uh, we have our house in the market, and if we have a, if we get an offer somewhere to go, we're probably going to take that offer, especially now with the wow. new one. You got to be smart about this. Yeah, well, exactly. you got you got other things to think about that you didn't before, and uh, right, exactly. yeah. But like well, you know, I was we, saying, I remember when I was a single guy in the city. It was great because you know when you're single and you only have yourself to worry about, life is easy. You can pick up and go at a moment's notice. I mean, I was right, bouncing right. around from job to job like there was like it was nothing. Absolutely, you know, yes. your apartment. Yeah. I have one bedroom done. Do it in two hours. You know, now yeah. there's a wife, yeah. a baby, there's this, please. Yeah, when you're single, you could basically live out of a suitcase, and there's no problem. Yeah. You know, Not at all. with a with a baby, it's like you need the diapers, you need the changer things, you need you got this, it, you need that, you need the car seat, and it becomes like a full house move. You need like a U-Haul just to go upstate yeah. for the freaking weekend. <laughs> you know, you know he's, Ken, you're absolutely right. Here's the thing. You know, it's funny. I it, it didn't really hit me until this week. When my wife said, "Okay, let's just hop in the car and go to the store," I'm like, "Honey, there's no hopping in the car." No, no, that's a big change. You prep the baby. Has yeah, you change, probably has both know. Head. Yeah, I mean, you know, just, you know, just, you know, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Scott. Actually, what really taught me and scared me about having children was growing up. And I know this isn't a lot of siblings, but relatively for nowadays, the time that it happened, it is a lot. I, there were four of us, okay? And seriously, getting every, going to church every Sunday was oh, a fucking proscenium production. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was no, it the baby seat. It's the baby. This is the, the other baby. This other baby, you know? It's like, and I was, because I was the oldest kid and they're all, all they're, they're all girls. I was the asshole that had to be forced to sit in like the trunk of the car, the trunk nice. part of the station wagon <laughs> with no seat. So, you know, I'm telling you guys, I know you're on, you, you know, you're thinking about two kids. Really cap it off at that or you're headed for some shit. No, I, wow. honestly, Jeez, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's my quite my a sister has, um, has three little girls and, and God bless them, they're adorable. But that third kid, seriously, it does put you over the edge financially. <laughs> um, it does put you over the edge stress-wise. Uh, and I told my wife, yeah. if we decide to have another child and we have twins, I'm sorry, I'm going to China. I'm going to sell one, but we're going to have a, oh. a really fat house, I promise. 
Is that where the market is these days? I, I mean, for so long, you know, it was, we were an import business here. Maybe Madonna's looking to pick up another one for a complete set. Hey, John, exactly. thanks for uh, thank, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and spending some time. Yeah. And, and it's really been kind of enlightening about your situation and the, and the, and the business in general. I, I didn't necessarily expect uh, to, to gain so much of an insight, but uh, yeah, it's probably better we avoided sports for Ken's sake. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough, and I, and I kind of wish it was, uh, you know, even 10 years ago. Like 10 years ago when I first got to Dallas, Dallas is a really big sports town. And um, I'll tell you guys a quick little story. When I first got to Dallas, they said to me, they said, do you have a problem with travel? I said, no, why? They said, because you're going to be traveling extensively with the Cowboys. I said, great. And they said, I don't think you understand. They said, you're going to be traveling with the Cowboys. You're going to actually travel on their team charter with oh, the team. Wow. I said, wow, okay. Wow. My first experience was in the fall of 99, first weekend or second weekend in, the, in October, we had a game at Philly to play the Eagles. Um, and what you do is you show up at DFW Airport. Now, again, this is pre-9-11. Um, you park your car in a secured lot with like 15 foot high fences. You know, hundred thousand dollar sports cars are in there. I'm driving my little beat up Toyota Camry. I park here, and uh, you get you know you look. They they take your ID, look at your name on the manifest, find your seat, and you go on the plane. Now, the way the Cowboys worked it in the late 90s, um, and pretty much in the early 90s when Jerry Jones bought the team, the rumor has it that he made a deal with American Airlines, which is based out of Dallas. He basically approached them and said, I want you to become our official sponsor for all of our flights. And they said, okay, wow. we'd love to. They said, here are the terms. And he goes, no, no, no. I want you to pay the flights and pay for all the fuel and all the food. And American <laughs> Airlines came back to Jerry and said, why in the hell would we do that? And he said, because I'm going to give you lifetime scoreboard name recognition in all my stadiums. Wow. So if you look at the stadiums, it Whoa. all says American Airlines for life, for free. Wow. And apparently, they, American Airlines made the deal. So they used a 757. And the way it worked was all the coaches sat up in first class and all the star players sat up towards the front of the plane. Press and media sat in the back of the plane. But the way it worked was, you know, a 757 has one aisle, three seats on each side. So all the middle seats were always empty. You never had somebody next to you. You always had plenty of room. But I first get on the plane and walk in the back of the plane. You get up, you, you know, there's no, there's no, you're not, you're not, you're not in like a regular uh, airport terminal. You're like on the side of the airport in a cargo area. Plane's fueled and waiting. You walk up, you walk in the back of the plane. It's all the beer, soda, and wine you can drink for free. Oh my God! Oh I said, okay, man. so I stocked up. Went to my seat. Get to your seat. There's a goodie bag waiting in everyone's seat. When I get a goodie bag, I'm talking like candy bars, cheese, crackers, uh, food like you can't believe. Oh, this is the Cowboys too. I'm surprised it wasn't like, like cocaine. Great. Um, the Cowboys or their Cowboys staff, quote unquote, has the ability to get bootleg copies of the current movie feature. That's in, in theaters now. It's already oh, playing on the man. plane. We haven't even taken off yet. It's already playing. <laughs> oh, I'm down on my food. And all my buddies go, what are you doing? I said, I'm eating. They go, they're going to serve dinner in like two minutes. I go, I, I hate airline food. And they go, oh, no, no, no. Trust me. We're not going to eat airline food. Believe me. Oh, I said, really? man. Said, no. All this stuff is catered by the Cowboy staff. Trust me. So we had our choice of like filet mignon wrapped in bacon, Alaskan <laughs> king crab, oh, uh, lobsters from Maine. I'm not, it was ridiculous. So you're, you're, and it's all you can eat. And I, have, I think I have like four steaks on the way to Philly. We land in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh my God! You get on the, on the um, there's there's four Greyhound buses. First one is offense. Second one is defense. The third one is Cowboys coaches and personnel, and the fourth one is media. Police escort right to the hotel. 
<laughs> we stayed at a Marriott, I think, in Philadelphia. It was a nice Marriott. We get to the hotel. Jerry Jones already has a full bread buffet, food, wine, all you can eat oh. free for the media. Like, I'm you ate, like starving. on the plane, and then, now you have this too. Why? Oh because Jerry God. wants the media kept happy. That's why he is revered as a god down there, because uh, he takes care of the media. You know, Jerry's been called a lot of things. Wow. Stupid has not been one of them. I guarantee it. He knows, he knows how to play the game. Yeah, well, he's so got we, he's got a bad better reputation in terms of just like how, how what a nice guy he might be as exactly. like John as as George Steinbrenner. So I, right. you, you always wonder but that's why also nobody this, a really smart move. Yeah, exactly. A really exactly. smart move to to kind of kiss the press's ass like that. Exactly. Jerry's a very savvy businessman. He likes the limelight. He's not afraid to mix it up. Um, he's made some mistakes in the past with the way he's handled certain coaches like Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. But but he knows what he's doing. So we play the game against the Eagles. Um, after the game, uh, one of their head PR reps goes, all right, guys, here's how it works in the NFL. Game ends at 4 o'clock. There's a 10-minute cooling-off period. No one's allowed to go in the locker room. Coaches have to talk, hand out game balls, whatever, all that bullshit. <laughs> then they open the doors for the press, and the head PR guy for the Cowboys says, all right, guys, here you go. You get 45 minutes before the buses leave for the airport. So in 45 minutes, you've you got to hustle, get all your interviews, go track all your stuff in the back of the room quietly, uh, do all your stand-ups, and then feed it back to the station in Dallas. Then at 5 o'clock, we literally get back on the tour buses, or, or the Greyhound buses, I should say. Again, police escort right to the airport. You, the buses drive right onto the tarmac. The plane is fueled, waiting. You hop up right on board, sit down. These guys are high-fiving, throwing footballs around. None of that, you know, please be seated, seat, seat belts fast. Screw that. See what's yeah, right. like we're going. <laughs> so... We get out to the airport, and it's a Sunday in Philadelphia, and the airport traffic is bad. The pilot gets on the PA system and goes, all right, folks, uh, stand by. We are 20 seconds in the line for takeoff. But I'm sure you all know that's not going to stay that way for long. And everyone starts cheering. I go, what's going on? They go, oh, you don't know. You're the rookie down here. I said, that's my first time here. What's going on? They go, rumor has it the uh, head control tower chief, Philadelphia, yeah, is a huge Cowboys fan. Oh. Sure enough, <laughs> they, made, they made 21 planes wait while we taxied in front of everybody and took off first. Wow. Oh my nuts. god. Absolutely nuts. And that was my first real wow. um I guess uh you know, indoctrination into the, into this Cowboys culture and I was like, Man, it is a way of life down here, man. I'm telling you, there Damn. are rules and then there are different rules. Like there was one yeah, really? where Troy Aikman um was actually a really nice guy. He got into a little fender bender, nothing major. He ended up rear ending somebody. But apparently he somehow bruised his hand. Oh, that's it. Live cut in, boom, chopper goes up, stop it, shut it down. You know, whether you're showing Oprah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Boom, we're live cut in. We have anchors on the set. We have medical team doctors on the set. We have orthopedic specialists oh on the set about his hand. I'm like, guys, give me a fucking break. It's a fucking hand. It's not even a throwing hand. So, it was not good. But I'm telling you, I that, that, that sport was crazy. When you could travel with teams and, and do amazing stuff and uh, get really good stories, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't go down to spring training for a day. It was, okay, you're going to be in Florida for two weeks for spring training. Okay. Um, they sent me to, to Dallas Stars hockey training camp. Now, hockey training camp is a lot different than, you know, uh, NFL training camp because in hockey they only practice once a day from nine to ten in the morning. That's it. <laughs> Get your package and you're done for the day. I go, what do you want me to do? And they go, just hang out until five o'clock before you go live. So, and, and and by the way, it was in Vail, Colorado. So you're going, you're going mountain biking, you're going fly fishing. This is all in the company dime. I'm like, this is this is insane. That's nice. I'm paying you guys for this. Wow. Different lifestyles. That's different crazy time. stuff. Now wow. I am just reduced to nothing but a man whore who wears makeup who wants to tell you the news. Good evening, I'm Ron Burgess. <laughs> I'm not. 
you know, at some point, well, maybe they will start, thinking. you know, they they will push planes aside to let you through someday because because uh, you're John DiCepolo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, the, but the biggest thing I've learned is, honestly, you know, I never take myself too seriously because I don't think you should take yourself that seriously. I've worked with some anchors that are really that pompous. Um, and they really think they're all that, you know, like, do you know who I am? That kind of bullshit. I'm just like, uh, right. you're, re- you're reading the news. You are not awesome. a god. It is just a job. It's a fun Good job. Don't you, get me man. wrong. It's one that's in the limelight. It, it's one that does have a certain public perception and public appeal. I get that. It's a visual medium. Totally understand that. But these people that come in and say, do you know who I am? And they try and belittle somebody else. I mean, I thought actors and actresses were insecure. I've seen some of, some of the most insecure people in my industry, whether it's reporters or anchors, People that literally slip out before they go on the air. It's, it's hilarious. I hope you're writing this yeah. all down because it would make a great book. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you I know, that's that, the way to be, be, dude. It's the way to be, the way you approach exactly. it. I, I actually thought about writing a, uh, writing a book, Dave, actually. I was going to call it Major Market, Minor Talent. Nice. Um, ah, yeah, that's, 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 that's a cool <laughs> you know, that would hey, like jo- the time. Hey, um, The time we were on set, um, was this in, uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I was on set. Somebody was on set in Denver. Uh, Ken, you'll love this one. They're coming out of a commercial okay. break, and and they they go to they go. Okay, time now is ten twenty one. Time for weather. Um, you know, John's here with the weather forecast, and it's, it's it's a female tossing to a male weathercaster, and she leans over and goes, "So, John, where's that eight inches you promised me last night? We run to the snow." Oh, this poor guy. This poor guy literally cried on set. He was laughing so hard he could not do the weather. He, he was awesome. one of the funniest bloopers I've ever seen in my life. That's great. Oh, my God. Or, or, or the time that just recently somebody in Chicago said was doing, you know, uh, you know, Mike from, uh, from uh, Fairmont called in. He's got 10 inches of snow. Dick from East of Fairmont <laughs> called in. Dick's got 6 inches. Good for Dick. And he's like, you guys, you this stupid. Some of the shit oh, that, that is said would blow your awesome. mind. Oh, I, oh, man. We're going to have to give you back and just, just to share some of those... Um, you know, just the stories from like you know when things are off the air. I think we'll have to do that one day. Oh, uh, God, in the yeah. meantime, thanks for coming on the show. We really, hey, really no appreciate problem. it. Congrats on the family, and uh, we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed and and listen for yes, updates on where you're going that. next. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. I'd love to come right back fun on again. Spending a lot of money and time and hours of sleep and caring for your child. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is John DeCepolo. Exactly. Thank once again to John DeCepolo. We, when we come back, Ken, we're gonna we're gonna have some more fun. I don't even know if we know what fun we're gonna have. We don't even know the fun. No, it's just gonna be fun. We can I promise you that. You are listening to the commercials free That's podcast gonna be. on the commercials TV and the Magic of iTunes. Ken, take us out. Hello. Thanks. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever wish you could swim? Swim like the fish in the sea. Or fly like the eagles in the sky. Or dig like some kind of dirt-digging person. Spiral your way into the hearts of man like a spiraling, heart-stealing thing. Or go skiing on a mountain when the air is nice and crisp. Or write an essay about the value of different kinds of cheese. Or take the cheese you're writing the essays about digest the cheese, excrete the cheese, re-eat the cheese, and tell all your friends about that. We want you to advertise on the Commercials Free Podcast. All you need to do is send an email to info at thecommercials.tv. We'll take it from there. Let's just put it this way. If you don't do it, we'll be really 
pissed off. Why don't you give me a question, baby? I hope you will answer too. Why don't you give me what I want? Ask me a question. Here on the Commercials Freight Podcast, the Commercials.tv, and the Magic of iTunes, Ken, how great uh, was John DiCepolo, by the way? Great guy, very funny, and once, you know, I'll say it again, someone that likes the Dallas Cowboys, some interesting stuff. Yeah, Some yeah. interesting stuff I don't even know if you had to like the Dallas Cowboys or football to really appreciate <coughs> how much free food was being thrown around. Oh, dude, I would go crazy. Uh, Do you know how much I would weigh? I would. I would weigh ridiculous amounts. Me too, and I would I don't love know about every, you. What? But like, if you had, if a caterer came into my house for free, let's say I won a contest or something. Yeah. And let's say this happened for you too, just so you could say how you would respond. And it was top of the line, as much as you wanted, any time, uh, prime rib, uh, and and any and souffles and and sushi and anything you want. Tell me. You would struggle with your weight significantly. <laughs> I probably would, but you know, I, when when uh, we mentioned the cruise that and, and John and I went on uh, when we were younger, and uh, if you've ever been on a cruise, many cruises are like this, and some resorts are like this, where it's just like nonstop free food all the time. Okay, I ate all the time. One of the fun things is that you know you go to dinner and. You know, there's a selection of like three soups, and you can have like two different types of salad if you want. You choose from that, and there's three entrees from which to choose from that night, and then there's yeah. ten desserts. The thing is, you know, like when you go to a restaurant, like there's three. Like, say you get like a a price fixed meal. Okay. Um, you okay. choose your soup, and that's your soup, right? And you get that one soup, and the same with the salad, and the appetizer, whatever, and then the the main course, and then the dessert. When you go on a cruise, most cruises, that is, you can try the soup and take two sips of it and be like, "Eh, let me try the other one, too. And they'll bring you the second soup. And you're you're (sighs) like, let me have the third one also. In fact, bring another round of all of them and they'll just give it to you. And you're like, you know what? That's amazing. Tonight, I want all three entrees. And you can have as much of it as you want. And there's no extra cost. They will just oh, bring wow. it. You know, that is awesome. But I do have to say, you just gave me some major deja vu. Really? Because I was waiting at a bus stop in some boondock place in Virginia years back. And the thing about people in New York versus people in you know the south of Virginia, uh, for example... Uh, they just start talking to you down there. <laughs> they don't ask if you'd like to start a conversation. They don't care. They just talk to you. Right. And I was sitting at a bus stop and a gentleman sat next to me. And, you know, I don't know how the conversation started. But next thing you know, he's like, now, here's the thing about Wendy's. Did you have to remember? Okay. Now, what they got? The other food's not good. The other food's not good. What they got there is they got them chili. Now, the chili is 99 cents, okay? And you think, actually, it's a lot of food, but still, this is what you can do. You can ask for three free hot sauces. <laughs> you mix that in, and then it's no extra charge if you ask them to add onions. So for 99 cents, oh, and also I forgot, free crackers. Free <laughs> crackers come with it. So you could mix the crackers in with the chili, and you got yourself, and I was just like, oh. 
Oh, for the love of God, please <laughs> shut your fucking mouth. Shut it. Shut your fucking mouth. Now I don't even want that fucking chili ever again. <laughs> Are you done telling me about your book about Wendy's fucking chili? Hey, the guy seemed to know what he was talking about. He was the foremost expert in the fucking field of how to ream the hell out of the Wendy's chili 99 cent deal. <laughs> if there was a master's program for it, he would be the doctorate professor. And some some colleges that that'll get you uh, that'll get you a diploma. Um, but anyway, just to, to answer your original question about um, yeah. managing your weight in, under those conditions, um, yeah. when you're on a cruise, you move constantly. Like time is irrelevant, and you barely sleep, so you burn off a lot of calories. So I, I guess the key would be if you are going to do uh, this all you can eat idea uh, that you would. Most certainly yeah, but have Dave, to uh, I didn't have an active say, lifestyle. Uh, but I didn't say, I, what I said was a, a, a buffet cook anytime you want all you can eat. Not with an activity plan included. Just like... Well, then I'd be Walter Hudson. Li- that's really all I'm going okay, to say. Yeah, good, I mean, good. That's what I want to hear because yeah. that's who I'd be too. Absolutely. I mean, good. there's there's nothing more to it than that. Yeah. Uh, Good. Oh, so okay. So uh, now that we've opened our minds to inquisitive, uh, you know, what? I'm even getting sick of my own segues. Um, <laughs> let's do ask the experts. Good for you, Dave. Way to fly on the wind. No seg. Fuck it. Fuck the segue. All right, Ken. It is time for ask the experts. This is the period of the show where we answer your emails or phone calls uh, that you've left at our voicemail box, 347-829-PUNK, or send us an email, info at thecommercials.tv, or you, you throw it up on our uh, uh, Facebook page, or maybe or even our Twitter or our page. Twitter. Don't even talk to me about Twitter right now, by yeah. the way. I'm a little bit ticked off at the Twitter people, because for some reason I can't possibly explain, as of the, this broadcast... We no longer have a Twitter account. It's been suspended. Our Twitter account has been suspended. So, you know, here's something that we're going to ask of you, the expert in commercials listening. You need to go and send an email to those people at Twitter and tell them to go to hell and or reinstate our account. Probably reinstate our account would be better. In that order. Yeah. Well, actually, figure like find a nice way to get them to reinstate our account, and then when they agree to do that, Tell them to go to hell just out of spite. Excellent. Yeah, we did nothing to deserve it, by the way. So, as far as I'm concerned, Twitter, you are dead to me. Um, although it I is just, a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy, although I have to admit, I just opened up another uh, Twitter account for us, uh, the commercials too, as opposed to the commercials. Uh, and you may get a little, uh, you may see us there on the Twitter, on the little download, but we're going to be doing it like Chubb. Well, hopefully we'll get our account back. Well, so. that's what, that's my hope. But in, and, unless that happens, we're going to be going all Chumbawamba uh, with this commercials too uh, account, because you know what? We've been wronged. And we will not stand for it. No, we have no. definitely. So, and that's that. Yeah. All right. So we do have a question. Uh, this is uh, from an anonymous follower uh, of our old Twitter account, and I say anonymous because we can't access it, and we have no idea who actually said this. But I do remember um, the question that was posed of us uh, when we were able to access our account. Uh, hey, Ken and Dave, who's Ravi Dasiano? 
Ken, the, we had him on the last uh, very special edition of the Commercials Free Podcast. He uh, spent a little bit of time with us. We didn't get to ask much of him. No, so no, we're, we're doing a very fast podcast. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, so in, uh, in lieu of that, give a, give a little bit of a career dossier. Okay. Well, Javi Dossiano was born in 1879, and he was the... Uh, if you consider Voltaire's literature, very negative, you know, very dismal outlook. There's no God. Everyone's evil. Mm-hmm. He was the artist version of Voltaire. Really, really uh, hated everything and had a very dark perspective. Uh, very, very dark perspective. And he went on actually to even write music and record it. Very early recordings. And he even for some time and much later in his life was a prolific filmmaker. Mm. I would say an art filmmaker. He sure was. A filmmaker. Yeah. And uh, he's a French origin. He is um, very prolific uh, also as a poem writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a, there's, you can go to most, go to most bookstores and in the international literature, you'll find uh, compilations of his poems, which are all very dark. And he is known, very well known at the time, even back then. I mean, we're a bad country kind of now, but even back then, he despised Americans. Yeah, he did have a bit of an anti-American bent, and it, it's my first exposure to his work uh, was in French class back in eighth grade. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow, dude, that's a little advanced. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, the, it's it's almost uh, it was almost accidental because uh, the the that uh, my uh, French teacher back then uh, wanted to show us a French film so that we could hear the language being spoken conversationally and okay. watching watching foreign films is the best way uh one of the best ways to learn a foreign language to grasp the language and the dialect exactly right actually. right yeah. so uh the film that she chose to show us was Javi Daciano's The 4000 Stairs and right. um it, 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 we we were kind of beginner french speakers um, but you could already get a sense of the darkness of it because unlike um, the, the the assumption that you would make hearing the title, it wasn't S-T-A-I-R-S. It was S-T-A-R-E-S. Right, and right. 4,000 stairs. Right, right. It was about a little boy in uh, Brussels who uh, was an outcast. And he was an outcast yeah. because he had no pants. Right, and exactly. he would constantly walk the streets, being stared at by the townspeople of Brussels, and right. and and you know a lot of foreign films like this. I mean, there was no actual story or plot or resolution. We no, we, it, it is the ultimate in foreign films, especially art films. It is like visual poetry. It is literally a an analogy or a metaphor correct. about something. Correct. So they could have been making, he could have been making a political statement. You never know. But he obviously, in his typical fashion, it was, it was a negative thing. Right. I just remember the haunting. I mean, I, he, he narrated it himself. And his just his haunting, um, uh, flowing, the depth with which he spoke was just absolutely haunting and horrifying enlightening yeah. and confusing all at the same time and i, I thought i thought it was brilliant I, and and, and yeah, as at I 15 really years it. old i knew that this guy 
was an artist. I mean, I didn't He's know much about anything. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too bad he was already dead by the time you saw that material. But yeah. actually, you know what I think we should do? I'm going to dig up in the archives um, if I can find it, and we should post uh, a, a portion, if not the whole movie on the commercials.tv so people can see 4,000 stairs absolutely 4,000 stairs yeah, yeah I mean it was, yeah. it was a very short film um, it was a short film yeah I actually don't remember its length but but if um, I was we yeah. saw it within uh, one class so I mean it had to be like what 42 minutes or le- probably less than 42 minutes probably because yeah. it's you yeah. know you, you sit down you get settled in and then you know you, you hit the the play on the VCR back then uh, and it was done maybe it was about 40 minutes because I remember the 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 credit the 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 final screen on the credits the f i n fin yeah uh, happened just as the bell rang so it's just about forty minutes um, oh okay okay good good yeah well you know it's it's funny because uh, uh, one of the things you know he he's in a he's in a group of people that uh, of artists like for instance some people might be familiar with Voltaire but if you're familiar if you're into uh, playwriting at all mm-hmm. Samuel Beckett mm-hmm. Samuel Beckett plays follow the same theme everything is pointless there is no God right, there's no point right. to doing anything everything is just you know he is definitely one of those guys absolutely really absolutely. negative yeah yeah well I, I think you know as we move forward we will try to find as much source materials for so you can understand yeah, Gerard we gave D, them Javi's work. We gave them a sample of his work with the poem he did in the beginning front. of the show. That's right. Yeah. So, and yeah. and we'll just we'll just try to find more for you and look them up because if you uh, you know if 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 you really want to be moved by a true artist yeah. in the and in you every are sense of the a word, patron of the arts, then definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look up Javi Daciano. Yeah. Well, that hopefully answers the question of uh, anonymous there, and you know maybe yeah. someday we'll get to know who that was if Twitter gets on its uh, on its horse and, off and its gets silly us, off its high horse. Yeah, exactly. Off its high deems horse. Deems us worthy to have a an account again that works because you know now we're losing business. You exactly, because we're making so much fucking money right now. Ah, well, you know, hand over fist right now. Well, at least I am. I don't know, well, you what know what your it, cut is. It was until Twitter suspended our account. <laughs> right, right. Bastards. Because that makes sense. Go to How hell. How can I make money through Twitter? Go to hell, Twitter. Well, it's not possible. <laughs> I don't know. I get a lot of spam that says, that, you know, you can make a lot of money with Twitter. That's what people used to say about MySpace. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then Facebook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually like fake, Facebook. We fake love book. Facebook. We fake love book, Facebook. Freudian slip, Freudian slip. Yeah, it can't It means I don't reveal my true personality on Facebook. You know why? I call it my fake book. I, know, I think I know why Ken has that, that feeling. Because Facebook is Latin for Chumbawamba. Oh, full circle comedy. Yeah, and scene. That about does it for us here at the Commercials Freak Podcast for another week. Ken, we got to thank uh, some people here, don't we? We do. We got to thank John DiCepolo, sports anchor extraordinaire. Funny guy. We got to thank Javi Daciano. We do. We have to thank... Honor his memory. Yes, we have to thank uh, our illustrious mayor, uh, uh, Michael Bloomberg. Uh, And we also have to thank uh, the... Man who gave that speech, Senator Jeff Klein, kudos to you. Yes, sir. 
And that's about it. Next week, we'll be back with more fun, and we hope you will join us for it. Until then, Ken. Bonjour. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>